something better <laughs> brandon sanders joins us again again he's joining the canton bound how you doing brandon i'm good man uh i'm happy to be i guess seven in we're going shout out to atm know what you're up to buddy you're busy b but uh hope you come back soon but glad to be back on canton bound man feel like this is gonna be a, a regular kind of occurrence man i think i'm the uh the the first returning one since you guys have taken over the helm hell yeah well i think you might have been one of the only guests we've ever <laughs> We got Felix and Matt, so yeah, yeah, that doesn't count, man. Those guys aren't real. (laughs) (laughs) They're an anomaly. No, they're just uh, the spitting image of Adam and I, right? The way they argue and fight. It is true uh, love hate there for sure. That's why the four way is the greatest thing ever when we all get together. And I don't even have to fight Adam. I just let (laughs) you just sit there. Speak of the devil, (laughs) he just popped on. He'll be here in a second, but Brandon's joining us here, so he's going to talk about roster deconstruction ATM. yo yo and what we're gonna up, do we're gonna pop this up here on the screen so we'll talk about it on the podcast form so just like you get it but if you do want to check out the visuals or look at the spreadsheets that brandon has made uh just come check out our youtube channel southarmandff.com we'll put it up on thursday as well so you can actually see for yourself if that's how you choose to do it but like i said we will try to do our best to talk about it on uh on a good enough level <laughs> that you can understand it. And I think Brandon, this is probably pretty interesting because I don't know. I don't think Adam, you do this, and I know I sure as hell don't do it. But uh, as you can see here, the spreadsheet listing out your entire dynasty team. Right? One of Points one of many. <laughs> right, right. So this is what we call deconstruction. Deconstruction. Um, you may have heard it sometimes in the dynasty circle. Sometimes it's just called reflection. But basically, it's looking at a roster right and you're like okay how did i finish so i was like okay uh, in this situation fifth place i was the guy that sent some picks got some of the veterans wanted to push hard lots of injuries and i didn't get in good thing is i was able to get the one-on-one guess what i already sold the one-on-one so someone else has now earned their one-on-one congrats to my buddy nick in the other league basically you now have the one-on-one and i don't think i have enough to or want to push for the one-on-one. So I'll have to get sneaky and get uh, either another second or another first or anything like that. But going in, it's just reflecting, like, how did you do? Uh, what was your strategy? When you lost those few games, was it because uh, – it, this is different guys in, in best ball, and Adam and, and Mike, that's the best part about probably being in, in best ball is, like, you're not making that decision. However, you have to be strategic in other aspects as far as having depth, but having smart depth, if that makes sense when it comes to best ball, having guys that can produce. And we could talk about strategy there as we're talking about this is another way of strategy, just literally just looking back, reflecting, and seeing what you have, 
what you're losing and then what you can kind of uh, attain by kind of breaking this down and stuff like that as well. So this is kind of the setup that I have uh, that is working on. And of course, I'd look at it as like, what is a projected starting lineup possibly going into 2024? What's looking as far as like your overall bench? What is your IR look like? Who's on your uh, taxi squad? And then pretty much what I do is I look at things like fantasy points, also look at the average fantasy points because I think that's more telling overall of the 16 games that matter uh, or 17 if you're playing in the championship. Week 18 don't matter. I'm sorry for those that are still playing. Yeah. You're in the ice age. Let's We can talk about it. There's a group therapy session, right? We can talk about it. But please don't play week 18 unless you plan on playing every backup, which might be a strategy within itself, right? But uh, you're looking at that. But I think the most important thing that you need to look at is the age of a lot of these guys. So, uh, for example, if you're watching on YouTube, Aaron Rodgers is 40 years old, right? He's got when oh, another thing you want to look at is contract. What does their contract look like, right? So yeah. if they are a UFA, which Barkley is one of my guys, Zeke, who's only spent one year in New England, who did okay because of Stevenson going down, he's a UFA. And then I got a, you know my guys like my buddy Joe Flacco, who uh, turned up. Shout out to uh, ATM over there in Cleveland. Uh, got a good playoff rocking and rolling going on but he's a ufa and they'll figure out do they want flacco do they want watson what the heck is going on in cleveland after this year but they'll figure it out later right these are the things we have to look at as far as an overall sum of what we need to you know taking the inventory what we can do and then this sets up our strategy okay this is what i need to kind of do in the off season uh especially if you have a a, a a league that you know goes year round where you're able to trade no matter what unfortunately in this league this one shuts down after a while so my other league mates disappear for a couple months until it's time for draft season uh but for me i'm already setting up how i want to approach them uh another thing we talked about in the past is knowing your league mates of course these are the guys that i rock with from the fantasy footballers from day one as far as the writing team and then now you know we're still doing we did dynasty together we learned dynasty together basically so these guys will probably never see this episode and that's okay. I, you know, it just makes it easier for me to approach them once those doors open, when it comes time for drafting season. And here we are. And I already have kind of like five or six moves I'm looking kind of do. So I'm a little bit more ahead of the schedule where everyone else is just kind of flinging draft picks or flinging players. Uh, you know, you can be ahead of the game by knowing who you want to tear up or tear down for and what, uh, what, you know, if you're looking to get back in the draft, this could be a good strategy for you. I really do like this too, how it's broken down because one thing I never really take into a whole lot of consideration um, when looking at my teams, like I'm going to take into consideration points per game. I'm, you know, for us, me and Adam, we're going to like, if, if I were to make this spreadsheet, which would be almost impossible for me with 40 some leagues, <laughs> like, but I do think right. I might use it for the ones I really care about. Right. I got some bigger money ones or some ones that just mean more. Adam, Adam knows what I'm talking about. Like some of the, the OG shit league, Sure. Went in that thing. <laughs> yeah, man. He wants to come back for it, you know. Right. I gotta, I gotta take Adam off the uh, off the crowd. But uh, I've never really considered contract when I'm looking at it. Right. Like how often? You know, you kind of got in the mind. You know, what guys are free agents, but also knowing like how many years are left on these contracts. Right. Just kind of setting you up where you have that visual where you go, yeah, Kyler's probably being in Arizona for a while. <laughs> right? Five years left. Absolutely. Well, I mean it. Even and if he's not, like let's say the aberration was he's not that five years left, he's going to be somewhere. Someone's going to have to have that contract. Like he's a he's a starting quarterback for five years minimum, and he's probably going to be longer than that. If we're being have honest, you, have you ever thought about putting uh, like a potential out category into like with the contract? You know what I mean? So, um, right, yeah. like like 
like for example, if we took uh, Tyler Lockett, right? We know he's got a two-year contract, but you know, is there a potential out this off-season coming up where you know if they thought Tyler Lockett's production had <laughs> dipped, which I think we can all agree it wasn't the the greatest year for him. But right. if they wanted to get out, like, would, would you put a, a column where it said potential out 2023, whatever, 2024? Yeah, I thought about it, especially with the ones like Diggs. Like, what if they don't, you know, go all the way? Diggs yeah. will start his – you know how Diggs is. It's just like, you know, if if he ain't uh, the star of the show, if you ain't talking to him on the regular. So if you're Josh Allen, you got to you gotta stay on Diggs because if not, Diggs will either disappear or he's going to demand a trade and then he's going to want to get out. He's, you know – we're looking at Stefan Diggs at 30 years old. He's got like one more money bag grab, right? And then it's about it's about out. But he's still playing at a higher performance. But the the you know the descent is coming, right? So it's like it's a matter of time. Father time always wins, like we talked about, right? So it's like you got to monitor that. Cup is 30 years old as well. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not going to last forever. He's got what uh, three years left? Three years. Yeah. But, but look at what Puka's doing already. Look at you know we talked about that in the in the previous episode. McVeigh knows how to hit on people deeper in the draft and stuff like that. So who's to say they don't find another stud wide receiver. There's plenty of them that are coming up here in this draft. So it's like, you know, cup could be not saying pushed out, but this could be like his last year of prominence. So now might be the time to get out of Cooper cup, right? Uh, guys like Zeke and Saquon, they're getting older and older. You know, you can look to like move them, but they have, they're completely UFA. So seeing the contract, you already know what's to come. Right. So it's like, if Barkley or Zeke lands in a wrong spot where it's uh, by committee, then that's not good. You know what I'm saying? There goes those those fantasy points that you relied on, especially Saquon. But, uh, you know, I, I did think about that because there's the guys where they might not, you know, move on. You know, this might be out of the blue, you know, like a Russell Wilson situation. It's just like, now nah, we don't want you here. You know, we'll just take the cap hit type situation and then move on. So it's like, you know, who's to say? So I have looked at that one in different scenarios and things like that more than just like the four years, two years, three years. This was kind of just the, and you know, knowing what I need to look at and then kind of just keeping your ear to the ground and hearing about those contracts because you're right. Like Lockett might not be a lock. Um, Cup might not be there much longer. Those type of guys you got to, you got to keep track of. Well, let, let me ask you this. Um, d- diving in and just looking across this, what is your initial thought of your team with what you, with the information you have in front of you as you kind of deconstruct it? Like, yeah, so the, what is your initial thought to take or to do with this team? Like first, first steps or just where you, where are you assessing what your feeling is what you should do? Um, in the, you know, before the season started, I was like, all right, definitely a contender. Well, this is before the Achilles and Kyler coming back. Right. Uh, I didn't have Flacco on the team. Literally I got lucky and fab and pulling him and being able to kind of pull out some wins. So this became a pretender team. You know, I, you know, when I talked to, uh, Mike about, you know, taking on a best ball team. I was like, is it a contender, a pretender, or is this a rebuilder type situation? Because I just need to know the mindset that I need to be in. So this is a pretender. This is one where like, you know, even what I got now, I'm and it's an aging team, if that makes sense. So now it's time to keep the cornerstones and we can talk about cornerstones and stuff like that as well. But guys like Gibbs and then guys like, you know, do I keep in Joker or do I sell him while he's hot type situation? So it's like, you have that, you know, I still have some let's be honest like i'm I'm with the strategy you don't really i'm gonna have a few tight ends but honestly i don't need this many tight ends honestly like conklin was all right fan did absolutely nothing i don't know if i can even get anything for fan i would take a fourth or fifth right now for him to be honest with you if i could (laughs) if not i'll maybe take like fab money at this point like whatever i gotta do to get some money right or get you know get them off the team 
but like Logan Thomas was just a grab because that was Sam Howe's boy. So that was just his, you know, that was just the name thing. Conklin was the blanket to Zach Wilson. And we talked about Zach Wilson last episode as well. So it's like he had to survive for his life out there. But all I cared about was just throwing Njoku. And I just needed one guy for, you know, when he wasn't playing. Because Njoku, the last part of this, you know, the season, we've all attested to has became tight end one. So yeah. I got lucky with the Flacco and Njoku stack. Still, I was out of contention. So it's just one of those things where, like, I'm looking to move pieces, especially if I can, you know, like the guys like Deontay, Cooper. Um, I still like the guys like Debo, Jameer. You know, I, I kind of want to keep Kyler for a while. Barkley would be nice. It just depends on the uh, where he lands. And that, of course, you know, can ruin or or can benefit your 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 value there depending on where he goes so it's it's your guys's decision and it's something i have to make up do i sell him before he has a landing spot or do you get rid you know or do you wait until he sees if he resigns with the giants and if they keep him and then kind of move on from dj basically so yeah See, i like this it's it's paying off already right you you touched on no fan like should i move no fan now could i even get a fourth could i get a fifth one of the things though like because I, I mentioned earlier, I don't ever really take into consideration right offhand, and I wouldn't know unless I actively looked. I didn't know Noah Fant's unrestricted free agent, right? Yeah. Now, that's one guy right now where you look at and you go, he didn't do anything. He really hasn't done anything since his rookie year where we were like, oh, man, he might actually be something, right, with that athleticism. But Well, look, well, look, at, look, look at Njoku. I think, just, just think about, remember when the Browns signed um, Austin Hooper, right? And Njoku was kind of in this, like, secondary role. But you knew what you're seeing right now was, I guess that it feels like it feels like that was the high end upside you would maybe hope for. But it happened, and Noah Fan I think has that type of athleticism. So if he goes to a situation where he's not in this you know three way tight end committee, I'm not going to say he turns in in Joku, but why not? But at least he could be worth more than a four. So it might be worth just holding around and seeing where he ends up shaking out with. Right? I think that's what you do when you look at something like this, like a spreadsheet for roster yep. deconstruction where you go, I could move him, right? And if somebody offered me a fourth, is he worth it? Yeah. Like I'd probably rather just move off him. But the fact he's an unrestricted free agent and we know how that situation was in Seattle where it was just like our guy Eric said, it's a, a three-way F-fest <laughs> tight end, right? Yep. Kobe Parkinson's playing, Will Disley's playing, Noah Fant's playing. They're all sharing snaps and equal snap shares and target shares. They're divided amongst them. What happened if Noah Fant signed where he was the number one in an offense that was pretty decent, right, uh, if it went on somewhere? Could you get more than a fourth at that time? I would imagine. I would imagine there would be a little bit of hype. Maybe somebody will give you a third, so... If I were to look at or deconstruct this as if it was my own roster, that'd be a guy immediately where I'd look. I go, I could move him now and maybe get a fourth, or I could just wait and see if he landed somewhere, and I could generate a little bit more buzz. Maybe I get a third. Maybe I want to keep him at that point. But worst case scenario, he comes back and he's in Seattle, and I'm still looking at maybe getting a fourth if I was lucky. <laughs> maybe that's the situation. So I do like when you break this all down and you add – all of this information to it where you can just get a quick snapshot and go, should I move Noah Fan right now in this league? Maybe. One one thing I think too, because uh, I think especially this time of year, so um, when I say this time of year, the, the season's finished, the NFL season. We're going to start transitioning to the 24 class and like dynasty leagues, right? That's whatever the focus is going to switch to. But at least as of right now still, it's not the case. So I think the big reason I'm saying that is you – you right now, I think, still can get dollars um, closer to peak. Maybe not the full boat, but closer to peak for some names that have dynasty value. Whereas, as the combine comes around, the senior bowl, you'll see a lot more of this age start to 
increasingly dip, and that's like a terrible time to sell now. Uh, reason I bring it up is so if you decide that you're in the situation, you want to get out of the pretender role and just start re-rolling this thing and getting young, this is the time I'm looking at focusing on is someone willing to pay for the name cache of digs? Uh, Debo Samuel, as much as I was not the biggest fan, like he is a great probably sell price, right? Because of what he did at the end of the year. Some of these type of players, I, I'm, I'm looking at seeing what I can cash in on right now because if, if you don't do it probably in the next month or two, that's obviously going to be dependent on what your league mates let you do. But if you don't, you're probably going to end up holding these guys all the way through the season. And then you got to do it in the start of the year or early. And you got to hope for no injuries and production still going well, right? There's other things that could get in the way of selling. Right. And I think it's also like we talked about knowing your league mates and stuff like that, knowing that, you know, these guys are on, they're technically on vacation until probably April, May when it's time to draft, right? So for them, they're just going to come in. And we, the biggest time for us, like, is, draft is where we have a lot of our trades take place a lot of shifting and moving we have like abundance of trades right so i know that's where i need to like make my moves and stuff like that and you know i'm more sneaky about it. it's like i'm not coming for your 101 right i'm not going to come for the 102 103 but i'm going to be like guess what boys and girls you know devo's for sale or i'm going to be like guess what Diggs is up for grabs and then if you just so happen to want to throw me a higher one you know first round pick I'm open to it. I'm open to tearing down. You know, there's the strategy there. Maybe I want to tear up. Maybe I want to move up to CD Lamb. What's it going to cost me? Digs and something else, right? Maybe I throw in my second round for next year or something like that. Because what we talked about in the last episode, right? We can find diamonds in the fourth and the fifth. We can find them in the third rounds of, you know, of those type of rookie drafts. So I'm not afraid to move a second or a first in order to, you know, get that advantage and things like that. Also, you know, I kind of want to bring up, you know, things like, stashing away and things like that in particular so every league is different but i love the process of also having these guys whether you have a league if it's the best ball it's a lot easier so for ones like with mike's leagues he has an abundance of roster that you can kind of throw on there so i say take your second string quarterbacks because of the injuries we saw that's a big deal also i'm of the uh process or i'm of that club of any running back on a 53-man roster. I know uh, Mr. Scott Connor, who I heard was sick. I hope he's getting better. If he sees this or hears it, get better, Scott. Um, but me and him would probably be really close friends because that man has a lot of the same strategy that I think about. So, like, I just threw Eric Gray on there just to see what would happen with Saquon, right? So whatever happens to Saquon, if Saquon comes back, Eric Gray can kick rocks. Like, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? But I hold him on there. Or maybe I just keep them because, you know, I have a limited amount of space versus a best ball league. So this is the one where you have to start the 11. This is one where you have to set your lineups every week. So you have to be, you know, uh, adjusting basically to what's going on. And then I got guys on IR, right? So Keaton Mitchell's coming back. I'll probably sell him, to be honest with you. Michael Thomas is getting old. I'm probably selling him. Kendra Bourne, I have to see if he goes back, depending on where he's going to go at. And then Juju. I mean, we'll just see what happens with Juju, but he's still got like a couple years left there in New England. But say they get Drake May, they get Michael Penix, they get Jaden Daniels, right? Now they're cooking again, you know? So it's like, you know, what what do you do there? So I wonder like your guys' process, like are you guys of the mindset, like grab the running backs if, as long as they're starting, if they're practice squad, they can kick rocks, right? But uh, say if they're like backing up somebody or even, you know, like they're as much as it's, it's, it's yucky CEH, on a, on a bench, you know, something like that. What are you guys' process there and holding until it's time to trade and stuff like that? It's it's great that you brought this up because we actually did one, what, three episodes ago? Maybe episode 15, 14, somewhere in there. Uh, I just looked at uh, yearly value, right, um, on Keep Trade Cut, just, just generic dynasty value. And I wanted to look who were the biggest risers at the position from yep. exactly one year ago from when we looked at it till now. 
And uh, Adam Adam can attest. I only found one wide receiver that was worth mentioning, and it just so happens it was a guy who went off this week eighteen too, and that's Nico Collins. Nico Collins was a huge riser from one year ago. The rest of them didn't really rise at all. If they did, they went up a few spots. More than likely, you're probably falling because the wide receiver class is, is just seems like we're deep every single year of this rookie class coming in, and this year's no different. The biggest risers, right? And I thought maybe tight ends would be it, but. There's so few good tight ends that actually matter that most of the guys who do anything, like a good example, two years ago, I mean, we're talking Greg Dolchitz did something, Daniel Bellinger did something, Chigo Quanquo did something. Did they rise in a year? No, they actually fell <laughs> because it's like, well, we thought well, maybe why? there were going to be something. Why? Because you also get all these rookies, because everyone's chasing tight ends because it right. is so shallow, we bump up. The next year is Bellinger. The next year is Chig, and you see that this year. I mean, how many how many tight ends? Well, some of them did it really well. Sam Laporta did well. Like right. Trey ended up doing really well. McBride. But there's so many tight ends that whether they do well or not, they're new crops of rookies, similar to the receiver position, where these other tight ends just get bumped down. The biggest risers, Brandon, like to your point when you're talking about this, came at the quarterbacks, right? Because you yep. got guys who were backups, the Gardner Minshews, the Joe Flacco's of the world, uh, Tommy DeVito, who, you know, wasn't on anybody's rookie ranks. <laughs> like these kind of guys all of a sudden ascend to a role where in super flex leagues, you're like, yeah, shit, I guess I'll pay a third for them. You know, I'll give a couple fourths. I need a starter or just a spot start. So they ascend massively in, in dynasty value. In the other position, the position you really want to invest in, and Scott Connor has been on this for a while, is running backs, just any running back, right? There's a potential. The biggest risers at the position all came from the running back spot. Why? Injuries. Or all of a sudden, a guy like Kyron Williams, damn, Cam Akers is gone. They trade him away. He's got a massive role, and he seems to fit that scheme. And all of a sudden, he goes from, I don't even remember where he was. He was in the 50s or 60s, something like that, Adam, on the one-year-ago ranks. And all of a sudden, now you look and people are like, is Kyron Williams a top-five running back? <laughs> it's like, hmm. all right. These are the kind of guys that you want to roster in the offseason. So fully 100% with you where, you know, is, is Kendrick Bourne, does he have some value? Yeah. Could he be a depth piece and maybe a spot starter for me? Yeah. If somebody gave me a third or a fourth right now for Kendrick Bourne, here you go. Take Michael him. Thomas, same Take thing. Him. Juju, same thing. Yep. Uh, these tight ends like Logan Thomas, Tyler Conklin, Noah Fant. Noah Fant's the interesting one because you're like, I could see a role change. Maybe he gets a little bit of value. Uh, but Alan Lazard, Tutu Atwell, Reynolds, Zay Jones, Noah Brown, like all these guys, could they be depth pieces? Yeah. Could I also just easily replace them with somebody else very similar? Yeah. Yep. Well, and if I'm in the offseason and I don't have to start a lineup, I'm not worrying about depth, what do I want to roster? The Eric Grays of the world. <laughs> right? well, and that's, that, that's <laughs> The Joe what... Flacco's, the Gardner Minshew's. Like, I want these dudes exactly. on my roster. Because once we – and you said it too earlier, Brandon. You said, like, Eric Gray. I don't know what happens with Saquon. But if you get to, uh, you know, September 1st <laughs> next year in 2024 – Saquon's mm -hmm. on the Giants. It's going to be the same old show. Eric Gray at best is going to be a backup. Maybe he's third string at that time, or maybe he's on the practice squad. You know what you do? Just cut Eric Gray, and you yep. find somebody else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I think I think actually, because uh, I was, what I was going to ask you here, Brandon, so is this like every piece? Is this Essentially, is this what the um, roster looks like? I think there's a part, the reason I'm asking this, the way that your roster um, limits are is going to really affect especially what I'm looking to do here. Yeah, so offseason, they move it to 30 overall as far as spots, right? 
so then you can kind of move around and things like that. Okay. Then you have to cut it down. So then it's 25 and, you know, during the season and stuff like that. So then that's when you get creative, you know, like you can move. I was able to move Wicks up for a game or two. You know, he gets banged up on my art. I can throw him on the taxi and then wait until next year and then boom, you know, and just kind of see how he progresses. Gray is just one of those one of those grabs at the year. You know, the Scott Connor special, we call it basically where it's just yeah. grab it, grab and see what happens type situation. Grab and pray, I yeah. also did the thing for Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall looks like complete ass. Sorry if I can't cuss on here, but uh, I dropped <laughs> Hall off the taxi squad. So he is gone. Um, so it's just, you know, that type of stuff. And then it's like, okay, now I got the leftovers from that's there. I got to figure out what I want to IR because if I put these guys back onto an active roster, I don't have enough spaces now. So now it's like, I don't know if I'm ready to get rid of Joe Flacco. I don't care if he's UFA. Cleveland might keep him. And I'm, and I'm thinking like, I know it's a gut and maybe, uh, Adam, you might be the guy to ask, but like if Flacco continues, this guy's a, he's not, you know, prolific, but he is Joey footsteps and he also has a Super Bowl ring. He's a good general. He's a game manager. We like to call like he's like Peyton Manning now as he gotten older. Peyton loses his arm, but he's still a game manager. He won us a you know a Super Bowl championship. Finally, Denver gets one. So this is where Cleveland's got an stellar defense, just like Denver had, and now they got a game manager, right? Like, wouldn't they rather have that for a couple of years than a guy that's getting paid millions? And I don't know, like if you're gonna have to wrestle you know Russell Wilson him or something like that. But my mindset is. I should probably see what happens with Flacco in the offseason, not try to move him unless you guys are of the uh, mindset like no sell Flacco now because he's 38 years old type situation. So, no, I don't think so. And I, I don't really think like if Cle- if Cleveland won a few games, like let's say they win two playoff games or something, they're in the AFC tie. All bets are off, I think, if that, something like that happens. Okay. I, so I don't really know. It's tough to really say right now today. If they lose the game to the Texans and it's not that close. I could see Flacco being gone, but the reason I wanted to get to the the point of you think about you got to cut back to twenty five, right? <clears throat> so when Mike was talking about the Kendrick Bournes, and if if it's a league that Mike's running, let's say with myself, where we have some of these where it's a thirty five man rosters, I think about how much that's going to deplete the waiver wire, and I think it's a lot harder actually to find. They're going to exist, but it's a little harder to now replace a guy like Kendrick Bourne because everybody's rostering so many people. When you got to cut back to twenty five. It's actually going to be harder for you to cut from that 30 to 25 that every single one of those Kendrick Bourne types you have. And it's easier, actually, when you have Joe Flacco. You're going to know pretty soon. I shouldn't say pretty soon, but in a few months, you're going to have a lot clearer picture of, is Flacco even worth anything on this roster? Can I? Is he an easy cut? And they're basically guys that are easier decisions, and they're also guys that have a chance to go up in value from what you may think right now. So I think... That's a great point to essentially with the way that your team is going to um, have to be cut down to 25. And when it's a 25-man roster, there's going to be people in the wide receiver position almost weekly that you can probably pick up. Um, they may not be the sexiest, but they have value in best ball. So I'm, I'm a lot um, more willing to, knowing that about this team, shed a little more of the Kendrick Bourne types, get rid of those, and try to sh- really swing for the fences with running backs and quarterbacks in particular. I With the Joe Flacco thing, <clears throat> like Eric and I just talked about this on America's Game for this past week. We we looked at everybody, <laughs> like everybody. But yeah. I'll say this about Joe Flacco. I do believe he's played well enough that he is going to start games for somebody next year. Now, the only other thing I know 
is he won't be the starting quarterback for Cleveland Browns come day one of 2024. Like, that will be Deshaun Watson. No matter what you think about Watson or how you think Flacco played, Flacco could go on and win the Super Bowl, but the keys are getting handed over to Deshaun Watson for one reason and one reason only. It's a $200 million cap hit if they move on from him. <laughs> Financially, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's, the dead cap is almost... Uh, ridiculous right that they'd have to carry so um whether or not he stays at cleveland like in a capacity you know you, you saw the nick Foles run for my eagles for the super bowl run right and next year as soon as carson wentz was healthy they handed it back over to wentz then once kind of got banged up again they went back to nick Foles. he goes on another run and all of a sudden you have a massive quarterback controversy and everything just fell off the rails from there but even if it's not cleveland uh, i think there's a situation where there's a lot of good quarterbacks potentially entering the nfl there's a lot of teams with quarterback needs flacco could be a guy easily and this is what the beauty of holding a guy like him through this offseason process is you're gonna know you're gonna know if he goes to you know uh, let me just throw out a, a random team, right? Like the Raiders. He goes to the Raiders as that kind of like stopgap because the Raiders drafted J.J. McCarthy with, you know, a pick in the, the teens or they trade back or whatever it is. And uh, if Joe Flacco is going to be the starting quarterback for week one. And uh, from there on, we're going to see until J.J. McCarthy's ready to take over the reins. Or maybe Flacco holds them off all year and they let J.J. McCarthy, you know, sit behind Flacco and learn from him for a year, whatever the case may be. I think a guy like Flacco, a guy like Gardner Minshew, you know, uh, these solid backup quarterbacks, these are the kind of guys, though, I'm going to roster because just like the Eric Gray thing, what Adam alluded to is we get to September and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, J.J. McCarthy's going to be the starting quarterback. Uh, Joe Flacco decided he's going to retire. <laughs> I think he's done. Okay, well, this is easy. Cut Flacco. I'm done. Could I have gotten a third out of it? Maybe. But what if I would have rolled into the season, you know, with Joe Flacco starting multiple weeks for some team, and, you know, I would have traded that away for a third? What if my quarterback situation wasn't the greatest? What if Aaron Rodgers got banged up in the preseason or Kyler Murray pulled a hamstring was going to miss a couple of games to start the season? Like, I would have much rather had Joe Flacco just laying around just in case. So I didn't have to go spend a third or multiple thirds or a second to try to backfill my quarterback spot. So... If I'm going to roster anybody in the offseason, it's going to be quarterbacks, it's going to be running backs. And it's going to be running backs with a reasonable shot, right? I know we kind of just, Scott has coined the term any running back on a 53, but even when Eric and I look at every single depth chart, there's some running backs where I just go, nah. <laughs> like Even if this guy got a path to playing time, I've seen him with playing time or be the starter, and he's been terrible. He's been worth nothing, right? Like Matt Breida comes to mind. Uh, Matt Breida has been filling in for Saquon Barkley multiple times over the last couple of years and done absolutely nothing with it, <laughs> like been a negative. So if I'm rostering Matt Breida, I've, uh, I've done something completely wrong. I'm going to roster a guy like Eric Gray who could come out of nowhere and actually be reasonable, and I know if he's getting a starting opportunity, somebody will pay me something for him. Nobody's going to pay me for Matt Breida, ever. <laughs> look, look at the guy like Zamir White. Zamir White was, you know, sat there around for forever, right? Zamir White sat around for forever. He literally could not even get reps ahead of Jacobs. All of a sudden, Jacobs gets finally banged up at the end of his season this year. 
guy's ridiculously good in this role. Why? Why are they going to? Why would they pay Jacobs in this UFA situation now? Right? And Zamir <laughs> White is like, well, with that's that, an with, Eric Gray type situation where it's a young guy that has excitement behind him yes. versus someone you've seen fail. Right? Well, with that same thing, right? Yeah. As soon as Jacobs got hurt, how many people did you see rushing out to pick up Amira Dula or Brandon Bolden? Right. Nobody. Right. Nobody cared. Right. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> cared. Yeah. We, we hadn't even been like it hadn't even been confirmed that they were going to give Zamir White the workload, but they're like, if there's one guy in there that could generate some buzz or some excitement or do something with his opportunity, it's, it's Zamir White. Zamir White. But, but the reason you, those other you guys can rule any... out some of these running backs right off the cuff, though. You're like, nope. The reason some people did chase those other ones, though, was because people were like, man, if he literally couldn't crack any snaps, like, is he just that bad? But turns out, obviously, there was way more upside. We, we saw with all those other, the other guys, Amir Abdullah, how many times are we going to give Amir Abdullah a chance to show us he doesn't have <laughs> winning upside, right? Like... <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of like the Boston Scott thing. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> unless exactly. he's playing the Giants for like that off game, and he hasn't, he didn't do anything versus the Giants this year. So we kind of, we we snapped that streak. <laughs> but like, that's the kind of guy where you know Swift's out, Gainwell's bagged up. You're like, mm, I'd rather run out and try to see if Rashad Penny had some juice than I would rather see if Boston Scott had some juice for this game. So, very much the same old. Uh, no matter what you think of him, Ty Chandler too, right? Like, there you go. Yeah, it, that that's the that's what you're chasing, right? The guy that has the has fallen off because he's not getting any reps, any playing time. But if there was an opportunity, boom, you're looking at a whole new situation with the way the community values them. Yep. I'm fully on board with this, though. Your, your off-season plan, and this is a good way to look at it, where I think you can just go through and you can go like, yeah, if an offer came, or maybe I should actively send out some offers if people want to buy these middling receivers. Right. Uh, I get the draft capital, I get the liquidity for the season, and then I can do with it as I please, you know, whether that's actually taking these rookies or maybe using them to tear up or make some moves some other way, package them together. But the other thing, you you open up all these roster spots, right? You're so up against the, mm-hmm. the constraint. I know they expand to 30, like you said, but you got to right. get down to 25 at some point. Right? So you right. need, you actually do need some of those guys like the Eric Grays, right? You need multiple yeah. ones where you're like, all right. I almost kind of wish that you just right. let me know that you're dead and you're not worth anything. <laughs> so I easy check cut. I already got a guy marked down or tailored for a cut. Either you have a role or you don't. I, I think too. I was just going to say real quick and I'll get right back to you, Brand, is that I think in trade discussions, when you're starting to look to ship some of these guys, a lot of times that'll be something I, especially when I know the format and the roster situation, like 25, you got to cut down to. Those are some guys I think you could probably ask people to throw into you. Guys like Eric Gray that they probably don't care nothing about when they start to think I'm going to get a you know Cooper Cup type. I'm going to get a Tyler. Lott. Add those as little kick ins and then get you your thirty number. You got to cut them at the end. Who cares? You can easily cut out of those guys if they don't have a role. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever leverage they need, you know, like we talked about, sure, give me your fifth or whatever it takes to get the deal done type situation. Why not say, you know, uh, I don't know, man, give me like Kevin Harris. Let's see what happens with Zeke or something like that or whatever you got to do, you know, just throw it in there to make it make them feel or maybe if you have to, you know, say if you got these guys on the roster, because honestly, like sometimes maybe they're of the same mindset and they're just like, maybe this guy can start if, you know, Zeke gets hurt or maybe if um you know ch goes down you can start lamichael p ryan or whatever you got to do basically you know that that type of situation that's definitely good as well before we move on to the college part because it's a different strategy when the sales and this is a c2c podcast so i guess we can you know talk about both levels but let's talk about best ball real quick just because you know we want to cover all bases on that when you're doing deconstruction so 
for me, I, you know, best ball is like, you know, you just grab what you need to grab type situation and you just hope that they kind of go off. But would you guys say on the mindset, are you open to having like empty spaces for in the season or in the off season in order to have what we call, I guess you could say it's more quality, um, you know, bench or quality, you know, roster. So that way you can kind of do it. So instead of having like these practice squad guys and stuff like that, or having Case Keenum, who's like the third string on your, you know, that type of situation, wouldn't you rather have Davis Mills? Like, why are we keeping these people on there? What's your mindset of having a full, um, you know, best ball roster versus, you know, keeping a couple spaces open, whether that's for the draft, whether that's for in-season pickups, fab, you know, things like that. What's your what's your process there, would you say? So in best ball in the offseason, I, I always keep my rosters full um, just in case, right? Because there's value. Where We're talking from a lineup lens here with a lot of these receivers who aren't going to gain dynasty value, and I'm probably not starting them in a lineup, right? But do I want a roster of Zay Jones, a Josh Reynolds, a Tutu Atwell, Alan Lazard in best ball? Hell yes, I do. Right, because they could have a week, a week. Um, so I'm a little bit more open, uh, especially to these wide receivers. So I just want anybody. I want anybody with a role. Now, where I differ from lineup to best ball is maybe I don't roster as many backup quarterbacks or lawn darts or these lawn dart running backs. Like I'm going to be more open, especially because most of the best ball rosters I do anymore are, you know, you, you just saw it, right? 30 man, 35 man, 37 man rosters. Like the waivers are bare, right? And I intrinsically know that I'm going to have six, seven, eight roster spots probably at any given time that I can just go, yeah, I can move on with this guy. And if anybody picked him up off waivers, it would be a miracle, right? If I really wanted him back, I can get him next week during waiver runs for a dollar, almost guaranteed lock. So it's kind of already baked in, but I do want to roster him just in case there's some news that breaks, right? Somebody gets a hair. Uh, we've already said the ass word, so hair up their ass <laughs> to, to go get them. Uh, somebody gets excited because they, hey, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Maybe Alan Lazard's going to have a bigger role uh, with him versus Zach Wilson. And maybe, you know, June, June they get some training game buzz or some news or, you know, a mini camp throw or a highlight that gets made. And somebody's like, you know what? I should go get some Alan Lazard. Perfect. Here, I already have him rostered. Give me a third. <laughs> Yep, please take right. it. Give me two fours, <laughs> whatever. Give me some fab. I don't care. Um, yeah, so I'm going to keep them full uh, just because I bake in the fact that I'm going to have probably, you know, a handful of guys I'm going to cut on any given moment because I'm going to turn that bottom of that roster in a best ball while I'm competing during the season anyways, right? I'm going to cycle through a lot of guys. Unfortunately for Adam and I, some of our biggest misses come from the fact that those are the guys that get churned and then all of a sudden you get to week two and you're like, damn, man, can you believe I cut this dude in July and then so-and-so right. picked him up a couple weeks later? Damn, he locked into it. I should have kept that guy on my roster. You yeah. have some of those misses, but you end up having more like hits or more fines and you're like, damn, look at this guy. He cracked top five wide receiver on the week. <laughs> Nobody wanted him, you know? Right. Andre Yoshifash, all of a sudden it's like, hey, he's actually out there playing some. This is awesome, <laughs> right? They, they carry more value on a week-to-week -week basis. So uh, best ball, at least for me, yeah, I keep my roster stacked and full in the offseason. And I'll just keep an eye on it and monitor it through waivers. And, you know, I'll probably churn a handful of guys. And it, if you go and look at, like, sleeper history for the bottom of my best ball rosters, you're going to see a lot of guys that I'll probably cut in May. 
you know, when I get the rookies in and I go, okay, we got trim. And then you'll see like some of those rookies get cut, right? Some of those fifth round, like yep. dude can't even make a catch in practice. <laughs> One-on-one <laughs> drills. He looks horrible. Done off. And then I go back and I pick up the guy that I cut him for, you know, way back when. And it's just this repeating cycle over and over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you do the history on like a sleeper, if you're on sleeper, for example, you do the history, you'll go through and look um, and see, man, this guy, look, for example, Zamir White. Zamira, he's a perfect example of a guy I held for probably a year and change, eventually dropped because I didn't want to have him as a zero. And now I'm looking, I see someone else picked him up, and I'm like, ah, what, if, I, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have kept him, obviously. But I think you keep it full. Um, the best practice for me is keep it full. I think in the best way I, I would proceed moving forward is keep it full, understand when you have to cut. I think the biggest thing for a lot of leagues for me um, – because of a, I think a technicality for sleeper in particular this year, uh, it's going to be something in any, any one of my leagues. I'm gonna, I think it's a, a conversational piece of being a little cl- more clear, having a vote on it. When are the cuts? When do you have to have a cut? And what's the penalty if you don't cut? Um, because just basically making sure that I, I want to have, if there's no penalty, as many people on my roster as possible. Fill it up as much as you can. And if there's not going to be a penalty, there's no reason to cut them. But I keep every single spot as full as I could at a at any time. I think it just it gives you extra shots. You might as well have them, you know. I found one, Adam, from the OG shit league. What you got? One. You got a Tanner, good, a good. T- Tanner Hudson. There you go. T- oh, yeah, yeah. So in 2022 September, uh, Dwayne Wagner picked him up for zero dollars. Six days later, he cut him. The next mm-hmm. day, he was picked up for three dollars. Two weeks later, he was cut. I picked him up in 22, October 25th of 2022 for $0. I cut him in December for, uh, he was then picked up October of 23 for $0. Oh. He was cut again 11 again? days later. And I mm. picked him up in November 14th of this year for $7. So, fast. so this, is a, this is a guy who's been passed around over and over between all the teams in there. So when you look at the bottom of best ball rosters, that's kind of the way it goes. Right. Yep. So, but yes, it, to, to the overall theme of it, I keep them full. I keep them in the off season. I'll keep them stacked to the max. Yeah. Whatever, whatever understanding, whatever your max is and when you have to have it trimmed down by I'm, there's no reason to, in my opinion, keep, not have it there like even right after the draft let's say you're over the limit when do i have to cut these guys down by just know that you know and i just keep the excess until i have to have it off till you got trim right whatever if it's a a league rule that you got to be cut down by this day boom if it's a sleeper league where uh like one of us we don't have those rules in any of our leagues so you wanted to carry an extra 15 guys into the season you know might be shady to some but you just can't make waivers while <laughs> you got 15 over, right? Sleeper doesn't allow it. So do you on that front, but I keep my rosters full. I got you. All right, boys, let's talk about some CFF dynasty, right? I know we're going yes. into the weeds on this one, but this is helpful because this is also deconstruction, but this is on your college side of things. Now, strategy uh, on the NFL side, you can apply some of it, but most of it is going out the window, right? So because college is so big, especially if you're playing 133 teams, right? Uh, 134 next year with Kennesaw State, by the way. So we're ever expanding NCAA to go along with it, but there usually is more uh, as far as like you play two quarterbacks. So it's definitely super flex, just like you have in most ones. So in the best ball, you have that one on the bottom there on sleeper or whatever. This one is like a lot of these leagues. You, it's a mandatory. You play two quarterbacks regardless. Right. So you got a lot of that one. Now, 
the ever-changing uh, uh, landscape of uh, college is that we have now the transfer portal, right? So that changes things going with it. This is free agency for college on that one as well. So literally, I would say about a month ago, Dylan Gabriel played for the Oklahoma Sooners. Thought I was probably going to lose him. Guess what? He has a graduate transfer, and guess where he's going? Oregon. Guess who I also drafted in my first round, the previous one, Dante Moore. He was playing at UCLA as a starter. Didn't do so high under Chip Kelly, but guess who he's going to replace? I now have the entire backfield of the Oregon Ducks, which is fantastic because, one, we talked about systems. This is a Will Stein system, and he balls out with his quarterbacks, and he makes sure that they goes to the draft. So Gabriel might actually have a shot at the NFL, regardless if it's a backup role. He still will have a shot next year by playing for the Ducks, than he would playing for Oklahoma, even though Jeff Levy is a pretty decent coach within his own right. So having there and having these prolific wide receivers that are still transferring over to Oregon or has flipped as far as a commitment, stuff like that, Oregon is stacked for probably three to four years to come when it comes to wide receivers. Now when it comes to quarterbacks and who and they still got Austin Novosad who hasn't made a decision if he wants to transfer out or not. So you know I have three studs at quarterback at Oregon who could then, you know, transcend for the least the next you know, Gabriel for a year, but the next five years. So things change constantly. Also, you can't be, uh, you have a lot more bigger losses. So this one is a 50 man, right? So you got a lot of stuff on there as well, but there's guys that you have freshmen, there's juniors and stuff like that. So there's ones that you have from previous ones. And you also have guys that, you know, I also leave empty because I'm waiting for them. I also have it down here where you also can look and wait and see who's in the transfer portal, who's going where, things like that. So I try to keep a track of that so you know where you're going. So then you can kind of make these decisions. Also, when it comes to CFF and, and C2C, you have people that go to the NFL. So if this was a true C2C, I play in Dynasty and CFF. It doesn't really translate over to an NFL roster. So I'm losing 17 spots. That's all in this green if you're watching YouTube. If you're not, basically I have a, you know color-coded on this spreadsheet. It's labeled in green. Those are guys that are declare for the nfl i'm losing some big boy names drake may right ramon davis leggett uh i'm losing jamari thrash from louisville will shipley who just tore his acl still going to go to the nfl because he's been told he's going to get a high draft grade that also leads me to believe that henderson will probably leave osu and will likely go there especially when they have um uh, our boy judkins who's now in the portal and has been uh he's trying to get a bag there in ohio state because uh, maserati marv said no nah, i'm yep. good i'm going to the nfl right yep. so it's like <laughs> he's like i'm good uh, but you know, I'm losing depth, you know, at the tight end position. I had Jared Wiley from TCU, um, Tanner McLaughlin, who was from Arizona. So literally I have one guy at tight end. So that looks like the guy that I'm going to probably look at, at focusing in this upcoming because when it comes to C2C or CFF, you have freshmen and you have supplemental, right? So you have guys that be either coming up from the FCS, they transfer from different schools, and now they have a better opportunity. I have those listed, and for uh, my purposes of strategy, I will not uh, show them, but just know that uh, I have them and already have targets, and I also have them ranked because you can move these different positions on sheets. So it's a good thing you can like you know move them around the way you want, things like that. So you can actually rank them by doing it that way. So what I looked at is starting lineup. Uh, you have This is the time where instead of age, like you do in NFL, you look at the year that they're at. So we're finally getting to the end of this COVID extra years and graduate tra transfer years. So we're getting to the point to where it's like, eventually it's just going to go back to just four years and you're done. And maybe you might be granted a graduate transfer. So maybe a fifth year. But guys, for example, like, JT Daniels, who got disqualified, like he's not able to play anymore. He's played at seven different schools, right? Started at Georgia, worked his all the way to Rice, right? And then now he can't play football. He much sucks for him as well. So he's immediately like a cut candidate, for example. So 
it's different because, you know, in NFL, you have, you know, best ball and stuff like that. You still have a certain amount of strategy, whereas this one is a big boy league. You know, it's like 50 plus players. Who are you starting and stuff like that? It comes down to like understanding who you have left and uh, understanding the depth that you have as far as wide receiver, things like that. So I know you guys are kind of, you know, newer to C2C, but it sounds like you guys did pretty well, even in your first couple of seasons there. Um, what would you say is uh, something that you've learned, you know, just, you know, open discussion, stuff like that, as far as like replacing? I mean, the, when it comes to CFF, it's a lot more of a waiver wire type situation. And fab is right. important more than anything. So if you are going to trade, whether that's NFL to college or if you're doing college to college, whatever that you're preferring or whatever, throwing in some fab for a trade would be really good, especially in these waivers, because the more fab you have, the better you're going to be, because um some leagues, uh, some C2C limits you as far as one. And CFF Dynasty, it's every single week. So basically, you're just literally scrapping with your league mates, basically, to try to get these guys off that one. Someone pops off, you grab them. So like a uh, Brendan Presley, used to be great two years ago, fell off. The system re, uh, you know, resets itself. Now Brendan Presley is a you know senior coming back for a fifth year, and he's a boss. You know, so now he's back in the lineup and stuff like that. So yep. you got to go grab him on waivers because he was dropped two years ago, things like that. So. What have you guys learned, uh, you know, in the process of transitioning to like a C2C in college and things like that so far? So the biggest one for me, Adam, in the last two years has just been how irrelevant the tight end position is. And to Brandon's point, like most of these tight ends that I'm going to find like this year was the first year in our, our South Harmon League that we had a waiver period. Right. So we had the supplemental draft. Right. We did that. all. We didn't we didn't have waivers the first time. Right. So what you drafted was what you got. And a lot of people were terrible at tight end. Like they couldn't do anything. So if you want to talk like college warp, I can guarantee you like we, we saw some Travis Kelsey graphs from 2022 and just how much higher he was than everybody else for the NFL side. I can guarantee you, like the Brock Bowers of the world, those guys were just lapping the field because everybody else was garbage. <laughs> they were yes. terrible. They weren't putting up fantasy points. So this year we had a waiver period. And that, at least for me, was a huge priority. It was like, okay, we're six weeks in, this is or five weeks in, whenever we ran that waiver period, I'm going, all right, let me go look at tight ends. Man, there's like two dudes that matter, and both of them are free agents. I need to make sure I land one of these guys right now. But, how but important the fab was or how important being able to acquire one of those guys, especially at tight end. Overall, the position's terrible, right? Like you have Terrence Ferguson up here, great name, but you, you also have listed as fantasy points, <laughs> 8.74, right? Like highly replaceable just with that, somebody that else. Oregon, too. <laughs> right. Goes to show you how much receivers. That, yeah. that, that's, I think, for, for me, kind of uh, like extending that point for me, right? Okay, so I had Jatavian Sanders and um and a lot of spots. Now, I I would say with him, you got a little lucky um towards the end, and I think he's a good name for the NFL side. But I, I think realistically, I don't want to shoot as many shots on those type of tight ends because the problem, like to Mike, you're you're highlighting, if you had let's say uh, guys that you're hoping for NFL success for down the road at the tight end position, and you don't have a, enough total roster spots, you could basically be looking at giving yourself almost weekly zeros or close to it, right, at a, at a, at a position. I think probably when you start going to the waiver wire for me, what I'm going to try to do, and I don't know if we have a chance to, like if you could look at this in this league, Brandon, but what, what kind of, of small school guys, how far can you go down, and what kind of production can you kind of just say, this is not someone that I ever care about to the NFL side, but it's like a floor-level production or any type of production that I can just have more shots at the dartboard at the tight end position for me. That that that's a huge one. Um, 
I, I think in general, though, I'm going to be um, – if I want to be competitive on the college side, I'm looking at – I guess if you were to look at like this starting lineup, uh, you have the points from the fantasy points total, right? Right. What yeah, kind this of- is like uh, projected what I look at 2024. This is without my guys like May and those guys that I had previously in the lineup. Like, so this is removing it. This is like me looking at like, okay, this is third place. I made two bad mistakes. I just didn't trust my gut. I was, you know, seven and three. I lost to my buddy, Jared, uh, who is our CFF. You know, he's our, he's our, our, our fearless leader on the team on that one. So he has took it home, but he went from last place to first. I went from like second to last the third so these are teams where like we worked hard in the offseason you know and sometimes we'll talk but you know most of the strategies are on our own and we perceive different things separately so for me this is me projecting who i have you know guys like luther burden is one of my cornerstones like am i going to probably trade luther burden probably not but a guy like colin lacy who is the guy that came from south alabama now up ticking just like and he's taking over the jamari thash role like i'd be open to moving him to get another first round so because we got to keep in mind this is freshman and supplemental right so it's like yeah. you could take a good freshman with one of your picks so i'm you know i was third place so i'm going to be there's 14 teams in there so it's a big boy you know uh you know league type situation but there's plenty of waivers to go around but you want to try to hit and the first that's the big thing that uh austin and all those guys will tell you there at uh, c2c hitting on your supplemental and freshman guys in the first like five rounds is probably the most important. That way you're not, you know, swinging and missing. And then everyone else is literally just taking your shot on your guys type situation. But I can move Lacey and maybe get a higher round. And then we can use the tear down method. It's just, we don't have anything to go off. There's no keep trade cut. There's no anything right. like that. Maybe there can be something like that in the future. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah. That's something in the background that Jarek and others and things like that are trying to figure out. Whoever gets to it first is going to have a gold mine, right? So it's going to be like who can who can get there first and who can make like a reasonable thing. So, But for me, like Lacey would be considered like maybe I can get him for a second and maybe I'll grab like an upcoming guy out of Oregon or maybe I'll take him. You know, maybe I'll go for a Concepcion there at uh, NC State who blew it up as a freshman. Uh, he's got three years left, you know, so you're looking at underclassmen instead of going to these juniors and seniors and stuff like that. So that's a, that's an option that you can kind of take type situation. And I agree with the tight ends like none of these guys. I picked them up. And that's something that uh, I'll tell you, like I never drafted a tight end in a freshman supplement. I literally picked them up on waivers. And that's kind of the way you kind of have to take it. And like you're saying, sometimes the most obscure ones like Tanner Colsier from Ball State. Right. I don't know if this guy is going to make it in the NFL. He might. Um, he's got great hands, but like he plays in the Mac. So no one plays defense there. And that dude is uh, like six, seven. And he's got a good mismatch. So I'm going to want to take him who gives me like 11 points a game, maybe over Ferguson, who, um, you know, gets overlooked because there's like five options on the Oregon offense right now that you can throw to. So, you know, so you got to you got to, you know, think about this stuff when you're starting to deconstruct and then construct it back for the next season yeah so, I so think yours is yours is a little different too right because you know it's not the the c2c right like how so, we we, yeah. we think of it so uh, you know, this would be like what 17 guys that i would have on my nfl roster me i like i like drafting boys like i like right. rookie drafts like freshman drafts so i you know me do i play in c2c's i play in like one or two to be honest with the rest of them i separate them i like cff dynasty i like nfl 100%. dynasty and then you have your redrafts and you know best balls and things like that so money is money right but this is ones like i like to definitely separate them so then the strategy can kind of be different basically that so, so it's something we i only play in c2c leagues too just because i like to do both together right um college fantasy is still a little bit out there for me right? but when i look at it you ask one of the things i learned is like just because a guy has potential nfl value 
towards me and like how high you rank him or how high you value doesn't mean he's shit for actual the college side as far as scoring points. Because Adam, I could go and look at our league. We're talking about the tight end position. There's dudes on this list for like top points per game scorers. And and I'm not just talking they played like one game and got hurt. I'm sure. talking they, they played a whole season. Yep. You know, their their total points is up there with everybody else <laughs> in the world. And I'm like, I don't know who the hell this guy is. No, right? absolutely. But when you talk about Fab, like at the position, right? If you had a Terrence Ferguson, I would just say the scoring was the same. I know it's probably a little bit different because I'm pretty sure we got a tight end premium and some bonuses and all that stuff that goes into it. But you're looking at a Terrence Ferguson. For me, he would have a little value because, like, I love his athletic profile. I like the size, and I'm going, it's Oregon. You know, maybe he's got an NFL future. For college fantasy, I'm like, this dude is a zero. <laughs> like, if this is all I was playing, I, I could cut this dude in a heartbeat and pick up a guy like Harold Fannin from from Bowling Green. There you go. <laughs> right? I like, this is a that dude I good. never heard of, but I go and I look at it, I'm like, he scored 16 dog. fantasy points per game. Yeah, That's exactly what I was going to say about, um, the, like, when you, when you went down and you're saying all these guys are going to the NFL, right? And I don't know what your number of rosters you totally have to kind of replace to um, what you have draft picks for, but yeah, I so just, there's 17 going, and then usually, like, we do, like, 16 rounds. Some C2Cs and CFF ones are different, right? So I know, like, out of this one, and then I'm still waiting on Nana and I, Mitchell. If he declares, then that's 18, right? So I'm I'm thinking I can replace at least 16 roster spots, regardless if it's supplemental guys or freshman guys, right? That's what I'm hoping, because now your roster gets younger. That's another benefit of playing CFF versus the NFL. Is like you get more opportunity to kind of rebuild quicker and have a good turnaround like we did, you know, last year with me and Jared going from the bottom – to the top basically like you can reset um that's where it kind of comes in handy but yeah other than that like you you know you just got to keep it pushing you know that, that well that's what i was going to say i think with the guy who's doing as extensive deep dives as you are and all the schools while it is still the wild wild west right while there is no keep trade cut type of a thing that says all right we have 300 some schools actually that's not in, that's in the college basketball i don't know how many are in the um fbs and uh, the ncaa football yeah, 133, 134 next year. 134. Okay, so there's 134 schools across all. Nobody has any idea for once you probably got get to the mid-major level, right? Like the max schools. So mm-hmm. those, for I think for you, if you can look at, okay, this guy was really good in his sophomore or junior season. And his production, if anything, is probably taking a step forward or at least going to be in this range of dependable, if not maybe a cheat code in a points per game relative to guys who are chasing NFL like NFL upside. I think that's where this time of year or especially as you get close to the season trying to fill spots that's where i think you can probably with your expertise or the more you grind i should say like the more you're actually looking and thinking about all these different deep dives that's such a huge advantage i think in a format like this yeah i i like it too because i i just had to pull this up at him and i'm looking at some right like i you know who dylan gabriel is uh haynes king i know who he is right sure. you know dante moore connell harrell uh, but unfortunately conley <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I know who J.J. Cole is. <laughs> I hate Iowa State with a passion. But when, yeah. when I look at it, how like we approach it from a, a – like I need a little bit of NFL value or potential upside, especially when we just talk quarterbacks. Where Like I kind of want to rush to you but, because here's the thing. I can go find guys who probably have no NFL future whatsoever who are going to score fantasy points for the college side, right? Exactly. Like, there are dudes out there. I don't know who the hell Chandler Rogers out of North Texas is, <laughs> but I look at him, his points per game is on par with what Michael Penix and Cam Ward did in our league at him, right? Yeah. And this dude's still sitting out there in free agency. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things is 
I think there might be a big edge when you look at this mm-hmm. from a just a college fantasy, and I think this is probably why you can turn stuff around so well and you do so well. If you can predict or know where the where the production might come from and separate yourself from the name value, right? When you understand that I don't care that Chandler Rogers probably will never play an NFL snap ever. Yep. But he's gonna oh. score me thirty fantasy points per game at the quarterback position. Sign me up. Well like, and put, I think I think a one little external or extrinsic factor to this is what do you know if you're chasing the NFL side? Okay, you may take a little bit to see the points per game. Maybe you get one points per game year that's like juiced if everything goes really well. That's right. probably going to be the junior year as they go to declare. Guess what? It's unlikely Quali Conley, who I, I would have known his name. I, I have seen him play the running back. All right. Guess what? He's probably not doing, or most of those guys are probably not doing is even is they're not declaring. Because they're hoping to get to the NFL if everything hits right after their senior season or after their red shirt. Mm-hmm. You don't you have more time to let if that's production as a sophomore, you can probably sit there and say to yourself, man, unless he gets hurt, I have production coming junior and senior season too. You don't have to worry about that uh, that that leap to the NFL that is going to take away possibly the production. Whereas if you held him from his freshman year, um, and then he doesn't play. He starts to show things that as a freshman, and then he starts to blossom as a sophomore. Maybe you get one full season on the college side of really good production, and then he's boom, he's gone to the NFL. Right. Yeah, that's something that you know when you're looking at both styles of league. So if it's the C2C, like 17 players, that's that means you did really well. That means you held on to some good players, but you still have you know something to kind of carry on. When it comes to CFF Dynasty, like that that mindset is completely gone right so it's like who is the next man up what system fits so we're talking about systems again we're also looking at opportunities so like Kyrie Robinson was the big guy at San Jose State but even Conley started getting in on that and this is his junior season now Conley becomes a senior this is his time to shine right mm-hmm. San Jose State likes to run the ball so that's where the hope is that's like this guy who worked his way up into my starting lineup because of losing Will Shipley and losing Ramon Davis those guys that are now going to the NFL Conley could be the next man up there's you know Marion Lukes the guy that was placed in Lou Nichols who Lou Nichols is on I don't know some practice squad I think the Jets or something like that I'm not quite sure where he's at now but he was uh, a CFF darling he was like my, top my three Philadelphia Eagles baby is he on the Eagles there we he's go on the Eagles I knew he was on a green team that's all I remember basically <laughs> he was looking on sleeper I was like Nichols is on the waivers I was like man this ain't CFF anymore and I'm trying to like you know keep yeah. keep my uh I mean like he used to be top three in CFF but Central Michigan produces really great running back quality and stuff like that. So now Luke's who now has, you know, come in as the uh, junior now as a senior. So now you have that type of situation. So it's turn and burn. You only have, think of this as like a fast track version of NFL dynasty, but instead of having like, if you're lucky, uh, you know, like Tom Brady from like 20 something years or something like that, you got like three tops. And if you're lucky, you know, like you're, if you're lucky for some of these studs too, because they'll come in, and they'll do really well, and then they're gone. You'll be lucky if they redshirt, graduate transfer. So that's where a lot of times CFF, we look at a lot of the guys that are like seniors and juniors, knowing a lot of them may not have an NFL future, but they might graduate transfer, or they might say, let me get a better opportunity. So they'll come up from like a Georgia State, like Jamar Thrash to Louisville. Same thing with our guy, Colin Lacey now, who's now going to be a senior. He moves up to Louisville and taking the spot of Jamar Thrash. Like that's the stuff you want to look at when it comes to the CFF. And, uh, you know, you have to understand like you can still take your guys and then we're talking c2c now like it's okay to go after the guys that you want to so everyone's going to look at jeremiah smith he's the freshman that we're going to talk about um you know coming in because he's coming to ohio state a lot of nil money probably going to start some of these guys from ohio state has transferred out adam you probably know more about that being in ohio 
um, or being an Ohio fan, I know where you're exactly at, but I know you're an Ohio guy. But, um, you know, Jeremiah Smith is the guy to look at because he's probably already he's a man amongst boys when you look at him in the in the high school level. So imagine when he goes and plays in the Big Ten. Big Ten is a much bigger, better, you know, uh, conference. But who's to say he doesn't become the guy there? Now we have Howard there at Ohio State, you know, so things are shaping up and things like that. So he might be the guy because someone's going to replace Marv uh, and and Abuka if he's still coming out. Like now you got the change, Brandon Ennis. You have the guy that's waited. He was the year one zero mm-hmm. we talked about. Most of those guys don't translate, but when we look back, you can look at it on campusofcan.com. But like there are some names in there that were one or one year zeros that produced and are still playing in the NFL today, like a Juju Smith-Schuster and those guys. Yeah, they've fallen off recently, but at the height of their things, you know, Juju on the Steelers, Juju at KC. You know, like in a good in a good spot, they blew up, right? Once upon a time, Juju was Once dynasty wide receiver one, baby. He Once was, and now he is debatable for a third or fourth round pick. Well, uh, well I think I think to that Ohio State point, like you could look pretty recently for me. Um, you had a guy, you know, he ended up not playing for Ohio State, but like look at uh, Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams, they didn't do anything, and then all of a sudden he goes to Alabama and sixteen hundred yards, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that could that could be somebody that happens for Ohio State too. Some of the guys there don't have the opportunity because there's so many good receivers in front of them, and all of a sudden they get an opportunity in that offense, and um, you know their, their talent really shows. I love right. it too. I think the cool thing about the you know college fantasy football and like when you're doing this like a dynasty league is I think just me personally, I'm sitting here thinking like how the hell would I strategize to make myself most successful. And I do some NFL correlates. We were talking earlier, at least on the NFL side, like how do you want to roster in the offseason and, you know, what positions hit. Like Adam and I can agree there's only 32 NFL teams, right? And there's only 53 mm-hmm. men who make an active roster and then you get injuries and practice squad call-ups or whatever. But you dive into these guys deep, right? Like we know, we you know, yeah. th- there's a reason Eric, like when Eric does his deep dives for America's game. It's two and a half hours, three hour shows. And that's just doing one conference going through every roster. But like, you know, these guys, we talked earlier, there's 134 division one teams. There's 134 with 90 man rosters. (laughs) There's going to be even more people who come out of nowhere, no matter the amount of grinding you're doing in the off season or the amount of work or scouting film, watching, you know, looking at whatever data source that you want, I would think that if I'm going to strategize for a college fantasy football dynasty league where there's no NFL implications whatsoever, the biggest thing is going to be my fab budget and making sure that I have the hammer. And I think a lot of people would overlook that, right? Unless you're a diehard, like I'm sure in some of these leagues where people have been doing it for a while, like the real, the really ones who strategize, they know how important it is, right? Somebody comes asking for ten dollars of fab in a trade for you, you tell them to piss off. What, I was actually <laughs> going to ask you that. It up. What what <laughs> is the um what is the situation as far as uh, the running of fab? Right? Is it what what does the waivers look like? Is it run weekly? Is it uh, like what, what's uh, your situation for that? It varies. So like um like the C2C purists, I like to call them. So the guys like Austin, um, you know, Bruning, those guys, they only allow you like four times during the year. So like usually like week four, week eight, and I think week 12, maybe they throw an extra one like week two. I forget. But basically it's like a four four time period. So you ha- you have to be on your mark as far as who do you want to grab and you're doing it. But most of the time there's not a lot of movement waiver wise because a lot of guys are locked in like this is my NFL prospect and stuff like that. Guys like um, Alfred and those guys on the scouting team who, you know, I usually have on like the first part of the, you know, the, 
usually the first episode or so of my podcast as we start to break down the freshmen and the opportunity and what it's looking like as far as like can they break out in year one or is this going to be a waiting game or is this you know what's the strategy there like they usually are like the ones to kind of dig into like is it possible for them to kind of be worth this waiver you know what i'm saying from the yeah. get-go from the freshman year right you don't want to miss because that's where it hurts the most cff dynasty it's like kind of like what mike has where it's just like it's wide freaking open you know what i'm saying like yeah. they give you more so instead of like a you know say if you're doing like a hundred or whatever we do like a thousand so you have to kind of strategize and stuff like that thousand so dollar like, budget okay yeah so i mean like people are paying up like 50 60 bucks for you know these guys like for me like i've never drafted a tight end i've always picked them up and it's always been like five dollars four dollars because we can find the breakout and that's you know that's just whatever how much time you have like this comes down to like strategy and stuff like that and this is just an episode for everybody to be like you can be this meticulous or you can right. at least just have these thought processes in your head you don't have to put it down on paper or on you know virtual type like stuff tight ends don't really matter in cff or you know what i'm saying like grab one off the waivers spend as less money but if you can get to the breakout first like a jared wiley at tcu broke out in like week one you know what i'm saying a lot of people are like yeah. oh sweet you know so they went to it you know, you don't get to get him because he gets sold for like someone's grabbing him for like a hundred bucks or a thousand dollars. He spent ten percent of their you know their fab type situation. I'm gonna wait until he has a down week and wait till someone drops him, which it happened, and then I grabbed him for literally like five bucks off the waiver wire or something like that, right? So it's like I'm gonna That's make you great. pay, wait for you to not win because here's the thing: like you turn and burn so quickly because there's so many players on that you know on the players that you can pick up literally it's just like i'm gonna go find uh you know mm. the tanner cole's here i'm gonna go find uh what's his name fanon from you know uh <laughs> you know from the, these mac conferences i'm just gonna grab him for like two dollars because um i'm seeing where it's like 17 fantasy points per game maybe it's three games in or whatever but that's a lot better than this tanner ferguson guy i got that's like eight points here he's gonna go to the bench i'm gonna go grab this guy from bowling green so. man i think it, the way i would play it, i, I I'm I'm weird. I'm odd in a lot of different ways. I'll I'll be the first to tell you that. So I, I'm a small school junkie as it is in general because you know I, I played Division two basketball. I love focusing when I was betting, uh, still betting on the small schools. I don't think I have this weird view that I know they want to put the line as close as they can, but they're not going to put as many minds and setting lines for small school games as they are going to be put for the big Power Five, where they're going to have a lot more people right. betting, right? Yeah, it's and, easy to take the FCS championship versus the FBS tonight, for example. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And I think that if I know that in the NFL, whatever happens after college is irrelevant. Like it's basically what Mike and I's process is in the uh, dynasty landscape. And for this college format would be for me, this whole school column, I would I, like, I'll keep it up there. But in my mind, you could delete that. You, like, could. you could you could delete it and, and and i think the reason i say that is i want to separate myself from the names and what tends to happen is people like to attach themselves to the names the ones they really like that's cool but what is what what does this points column look like mm -hmm. if you play at oregon and it's a great school that has huge upside for scoring cool but if i am i holding someone like that thinking they're going to score all these points when maybe a guy that's playing for you know north texas ball state uh central michigan whoever it may be is actually scoring already as many points maybe even a little more why, why do i not, why don't i i would rather have that guy anyway so my 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 roster would probably look a lot more like umass uh louisiana lafayette a lot of these types as long as the points per game were aligning 
Yep. You do have to take in factor. Here's another thing for CFF. Like the system does matter. So that's where you probably keep the school name, right? Because if it's Alabama, uh, that's, you know, turn and burn all running backs there, right? Quarterbacks, you know, regardless if Milro didn't have the greatest game there in the playoffs, like Milro next season, you know, dialed in maybe, you know, a little bit more of a different offseason to hang out with his boys. Like Milro is going to probably be like a top 10 CFF quarterback. You know what I'm saying? So it's sure. like. He's the target. Like, so that's the time where you maybe don't remove the the team name because sometimes the team name, especially in CFF, you know, holds more value to where you can move them if you want to, or you can ask, you know, the King's ransom, as we talk about the Puka Nakua price, whatever you got to do basically sure. to get it done. So yeah, I'm not saying to like just forego value or get rid of guys from my point is more so like that's a little more ancillary. And I'm not saying don't chase guys in, in Alabama or Oregon, but I right. I'd be a little more hesitant to do that depending on the cost. If I could get a lot more $5 pickups like you had for yeah, there you guys go. are going to give you production, right? I get exactly what you're saying, right? If you were working on this $1,000 budget, right? Uh, A.D. Mitchell would be the guy, right? <laughs> He's got a name. You know, we thought he was doing something, but if anybody wanted to buy him at all, during the season. <laughs> like, mm. all right, he's oh, yeah. not actually scoring fantasy points that matter, right? This is where college warp would come into. You could honestly see he'd probably be you know, wide receiver 60, That'd 70. That'd be so sweet to see college warp, man. Oh, my gosh. It'd be right, like in, in, in an extremely flat tier, and it'd be like, yep. I will sell you AD Mitchell for $100 in fab. And that's another thing, like Mitchell had the stink of Georgia on him, right? So it's like, other than Lad McConkie, who's going to be a beast at the next level, I do like Lad a lot, but he's a good lad. Um, But there's there's only so much Georgia can do at that one, regardless if it's Carson Beck or, you know, uh, Bennett, whoever that was there, basically. But like, A.D. Mitchell, like no one was touching him for the first three or four weeks, but he was getting more receptions than Xavier Worthy, who's this high prospect as well. So everyone's like on the C2C side. I was like, let me have Worthy. Mitchell can kick rocks. Well, in CFF, I'm looking at like a wide receiver from Texas who our boy, you know, Quinn Ewers was targeting on frequently. And people are like, they weren't grabbing him. This was like week six, guys. This is week six. This is like after the Alabama game where he caught the touchdown. He was still on the waivers. So you go and grab him for, for like 10, 15 bucks. Then that's a wrap, you know? What, one, in the lineup and I've used him like three or four times during the season. What, one other point I was going to uh, make about the school name too, I think, because I, I agree a lot, Brandon, with what you said, right? The, the system does matter and obviously um, can be a big correlation to what your upside and ceiling looks like. But the other thing I think that we got to you got to keep in mind or everybody when you're looking at a college, if you had a college team like this. For me, anyway, I think sometimes we can over project that where it's like, OK, we want this guy. We think he's going to take this leap into that high end role. But with the transfer portal, like how many guys end up not even end up being in that situation? What if the, the situation could change via the coaching staff or it could change also via a new influx of players? Ohio State, if you think you're chasing that, guess what? <laughs> they got the number one wide receiver as a incoming freshman coming in. There's there's all types of situations changing even in the situation that you're looking at right now today, right? Yeah. Um, here's a good example, like just on the roster. So we all can do visual if you're on YouTube. If not, I'll explain it to you. So Boston College has Thomas Cassianos, a uh, really good running quarterback, needs to work on his throwing. I'm sure he'll be okay. But he, I had Lewis Bond here from Boston College. I'm an ACC guy being a Tar Heels fan. So I, I understand I pay more attention to your conference than you do the rest of them, if that makes sense, right? Sure. Especially if you're trying to win your best balls. And that's a, that's important. Know your, know your conference. But uh, Lewis Bond was the guy that was breaking out. So he's the one that's 14.29 fantasy points per game. Well, the guy that I did have who was at Texas Tech just went to Boston College in a transfer portal. And that's Jared Branley, who's a big boy, 6'7", 6'8". Good, good hands, but like you know, Texas Tech just 
kind of fell off. Well, now he is considered. And then guess who else came to Boston College? Uh, what was his name? The one from Alabama, uh, Brooks or whatever. The one that was spe- – Jacoby oh, yeah. Brooks. Yep. And he's supposed to be, you know, hot sauce. Honestly, I think that Jaron Branley becomes the wide receiver one. Well, that pecking or Lewis Bond, he's a guy that I'm looking at. Like if I uh, – I'm thinking about – you can just drop them to be honest with you type situation, or I could try to see if anyone in the league, you know, most of the guys is on the C2C team or play in CFF or half for a long time. So they're probably going to realize like, uh, they'll throw me a 15th round or 16th round. Honestly, I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? That's an extra draft pick. That's another freshman. That's right. another guy on the list that I won't show, you know, as far as my, you know, these guys from supplementals that have been transferred. Like we talked about, like now they're at a new school, the one where they've been on the players one, because they're like, they did get a shot because of whatever NIL or maybe they someone paid someone else extra or there was promises that weren't kept. And so they just dip out and go to another school. So even my own school, the Johnson brothers, Max and, and Josh Johnson. And well, Max Johnson's probably got a good start because my boy, you know, uh, Connor Harrell didn't play so hot in the bowl game. Right. So it's like I have Harrell. Would I want Max Johnson? Probably, right? So he's a guy I'm looking at. But his brother is a four-star tight end who was back up at uh, ATN or uh, Texas A&M, but they already had a guy that was, you know, starting in the tight end spot for with Connor Wegman. So it's like now you have the stud coming in. So now Carolina will probably line up Bryson Desbitt and and John and Josh Johnson. Now you have this big boy tight end set and a brother that knows his brother has probably played with him for multiple years. You know, throughout college, high school, you know. Pee wee, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and there we go. You know, so that's where things change for the better. Whereas like they were at a school where they weren't being used. So there's, you know, there's a mix and match where you lose value here. And then, you know, like Lewis Bond is, you know, almost like low, you know, draft capital or he's a droppable guy. Uh, and then you guys got the, you know, ones that are there. Um, another example of guys that stay like there's one down here, like Cody Epps. I call him the Puka Nakua replacement. He's been banged up this past year. Kind of reminds me similar of Puka where he like got banged up. He didn't have a great quarterback. Um, I don't know. I forgot it was, but I forgot who just transferred over there. But it's a decent quarterback that knows how to sling it. So I wouldn't say Zach Wilson-esque, but at least someone that can get Cody Epps the ball. And Cody Epps has that type of style like Puka and things like that. That's a guy that you want to keep around because BYU is now better on an uptick, for example. So There, there you go. Love that. Change, Love that. You know? Yeah. Or they can stay the same depending, but or you just keep them holding that things change because of the transfer portal or mm. because of commitments or whatever or coaching changes and it pays off. So, yeah, and that's oh, the difference. Borgett's transferring to BYU. I had to look that up. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I watched Borgett sling it this past week. Yeah, he did all right. <laughs> he could throw the football. That's nice. I, I, just, I, just, I just think of like, you know, uh, for, uh, who was. I don't remember. Uh, I feel like I can't remember the name, but there was a guy that was uh, you're hoping was going to take over the backfield for Bama, and then you see all of a sudden, you know, Jameer Gibbs I'm comes over, it. and you could put uh, that to bed. Um, yeah, yeah. Like you know, stuff like that where we, you're projecting, like, all right, I'm kind of sitting on this. Like, how many people probably in a situation like this might have sat on that running back for in a best ball type format of this? You're like, man, probably for two years at least. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, for the, why here comes I'm rostering this situation. Like you're rostering that name. You're rostering Alabama. Like this is gonna have a chance to break this league open. And guess what? The situation did, but it was a guy named Jameer Gibbs. It wasn't mm. the guy you're rostering, right? So I think that's where. I, I would just be um, just hes- obviously hesitant about depending on the cost of doing that too often would be the thing I'm trying to say. I do think after doing this, right, like uh, th- there's no way I'll be able to do it for 40 dynasty leagues. I just don't, <laughs> don't have the patience. No, no, no. no. My, this, this is, this is uh, some deep dive I don't stuff. Do 40. 
And, this and is like this is some deep dive. This is literally just um, right mind focus, understand. Yeah, it's just breaking. But it I can tell you, I, I can tell you two leagues where I'll definitely pull this up and do it this yeah. offseason. It's going to be my C two C leagues, right? There you go. It's going to be my C two C leagues for for the sole purpose of right. You have that down there. What's going to the NFL? I need a good visual that I can easily see. Like what is moving on to my NFL team as well? Because yes. not only I'm affecting two separate rosters here. One, trying to compete on the college side, but then two, how's my NFL roster going to look when I add Drake May, Ramon Davis, you know, Xavier get to it, uh, Will Shipley, you know, one of these tight ends. I, 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 listen, I haven't done a deep dive on Sinat or Jared Wiley. They both played very well this year, and I just know them from the college side, but I don't know what their tape looks like or what their actual NFL prospects are. But these are two guys where, you know, you could see two tight ends stepping in in one, two years, mattering for the NFL side as well. So, uh, Lad McConkney, like, this is the kind of stuff that you're going to want to know for both sides. <laughs> what do I need yeah. to replace, you know? And for us, when you do these, you talk about, uh, like, these waiver periods, and I don't know how we're going to do this where it seems fair and valid. You know, that's a, a podcast I recommend episode. recommend keeping it wide open. It's more fun that way, but like I said, you have those that are just right. like, well, this is my prospect, and I want to hold on to as long as possible. Right. You know, I understand. You know, I, I get it. For me, I like it wide open, just like you do in your best balls. Like, I just want there to be fluidity. I want there to be strategy. I just want there to be, you know, a, a community where you can kind of come and go, and then you can trade as you please, basically. But th that's also the thing for, like, thinking about how you want to approach the offseason. Supplemental draft is, is going to be the roster construction of the college side is going to be so important. And this is why this deconstruction at the end comes in. Because if I got... You know, in this situation, I had three tight ends moving on, and the only tight end I have left on my roster is Terrence Ferguson. I need to figure out a way, if I want to be competitive on the college side, For to sure. put some tight ends on because maybe I don't have a waiver pickup time until week five, <laughs> week six of the season. You know, maybe yep. that's the first one that opens up, and I'm not going to go five or six weeks with just Terrence Ferguson, right? No, just a guy who's going to be probably a zero <laughs> or less yep. than a zero. And that's where so, the supplemental targets matter, man. That's where it matters the most. These deeper leagues, Adam, for us, that uh, the IDP best ball, you know, where we yeah. got 66 roster spots. It's basically this, actually. Like, yes. in, on the it's defensive deep. side especially, yeah. it's going to be basically this. Well, think about it, too, like how he had it listed, which I thought was interesting when we were talking about the NFL side. When you talk like that IDP league, it would be very helpful to know that, that you know, the guy who was slotting in as my linebacker, too, is an unrestricted free agent, right, and may not be back in that role next year. Do I need to figure out how to replace that? Yes. And, you know, for most IDP leagues, you know, we always kind of joke. Uh, for those of you who don't know, ours is very different. Uh, Adam can attest the scoring is juiced to the max. I think we had a 140-point game from Khalil Mack this year. <laughs> right? Insane. Like, yeah. Now, now we're starting 25 spots, so, you know, in, in the, the grand scheme of it, Okay, maybe he didn't outright win your week, but he also ate up like six other spots, even in a best ball league where it's like, okay, I could have had six zeros and I still <laughs> would have beat you head to head because Khalil Mack dropped 140. So right. knowing you know what positions you got to replace in that kind of league is going to matter a whole lot. And I would say the same thing for my C2C leagues, like knowing what I'm going to do between the rosters, between college and NFL, this would be massive for me. Or like you were talking about earlier, Brandon, if you got a league that's really important to you, one that you want to want to win, yep. like deconstructing at the end and, and kind of having a feel of how's this going to look, can I get an idea of like what can go, what needs to stay, what do I need to replace, what should I focus on, and how does this already look heading into the season? Like if I were just to juxtapose this one for one, 
here we go, 24. This would be my opening day lineup. I think it's a great visual to kind of go, oh, yeah, I need some more running backs or I need some wide receivers or we're looking at your college roster. You're going, I got to figure out what I'm doing at the tight end position. Yeah, tight end quarterbacks for me for sure. Also, <laughs> this all came about because, honestly, fan tracks shuts down. Like, it locks. You know what I'm saying? So, you like, you can't touch it for a yeah. month or two until they turn it over. <laughs> Once they turn it over, look, you already have something already dialed in. You know who you're losing, who you have left. So, you can go ahead and throw them on the minor spot or you can start – you know, dropping them if they allow you to drop them because they're already in the NFL or blah, blah, blah. So then you're already able to kind of make these moves, set your lineup that you have or your projected lineup, and that's where you can start. Because once it unlocks, then you can start making these trades and you start moving for supplemental picks, things like that, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, you know, the waivers might not be open right away, but as soon as the supplemental draft's done, boom, now the waivers are wide open and you can start targeting that way. I, I, I love this. Um, the, the visual, I think, really helps. And, and if you have, let's say um, – Mike, Mike kind of highlighted with the tight end position. And th that's this specific one. But I think when you have that visual, it's a lot easier to see something like that, like a big glaring hole, right? Or a more problematic spot you, you have to address a lot closer right now that if you just didn't have this, you wait a long time. You're like, oh, shit. Now I got – I'm not supposed to say that, but shouldn't uh, – <laughs> my, my tight end spot has one guy that probably doesn't have any production coming that's like at least, at least like – Week to week, I cannot rely on Terrence. Will Terrence Ferguson have a big week potentially? Oh, yeah. He's always you has can't, like three you can't rely on that type of uh, you know, production to come in. If you don't, if you can think about that now, you can start addressing that. I just did a um a podcast for ours, our side of uh, South Harmon, a new one, mm -hmm. reflecting on looking back and seeing all right, these are where I need to go back and where I messed up and things I need to improve in my process. This is such a good visual to whether it's reflecting good in a bad way you, you can go back and reflect and see okay where do i need to improve myself to get ready for next year when a lot of people probably right now are they're taking their naps they're getting ready to you know coast you said you you said i forget your wording but they're ready to kind of hibernate or something until yeah, they go on april yeah go on the <laughs> yeah. there you go so we'll put a bow on this this will be our longest episode we've ever done here but i, right, I do coach. love it no it's been fantastic <laughs> i love having you on here so just just a few things here before we bounce out of here so we talked about fan tracks and how it locks, right? And I don't think I've mentioned it on this one, but for those of you who don't follow me um, on Twitter, which I don't blame you, I'm a rough follow. <laughs> I'm a non-follow. Like I'm it. pretty inactive. Right. But <laughs> if you go check it out, at Iowa Michael, I have been on this crusade to get college fantasy football. 38 days, right? Isn't it 38 today? 38 days as of today. So I mentioned the other previous years people have been trying. So Yes. Yeah. Um, but I'm making it my mission. I'm not going to quit. Uh, it's almost at the point where they've just like irritated me enough that they haven't even responded, you know, said anything and at all. It. Now it's just petty. <laughs> but if you do a favor and you do enjoy college fantasy, you want to see it on sleeper as you should, because it just opens up everything. College, college dynasty, C2C leagues, easy transition, Devi leagues, the whole works. And you got basketball, man. It's crazy. Just go on there. Give it a like, give it a retweet, you know, uh, Common away, like do whatever, but let's, let's get this done. Let's band together and let sleeper know exactly, you know, we're not going to take it anymore. We're a twisted sister of the eighties, seventies, whenever that was. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, that song. <laughs> yeah. You guys do that. I'm, I'm trying right now for our sake to, uh, just in case they end up blocking Mike that we have, you know, half of us is not blocked. Our account. Yeah. We'll, we'll be fine. I'll just make a new one. 
with a different handle. <laughs> It'll be nothing. I got it. I'm, I'm that petty. I can make unlimited Twitter accounts. And as long as you keep throwing money at Elon, he'll keep verifying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he don't care. Um, you know, Fantrax got in on it, right? They liked a few of the posts. They've uh, they've also followed me. So awesome. uh, shout out to Fantrax for the great Fantrax sense of humor. Fantrax is interactive, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was fantastic, shout, man. Shout out to Fantrax for that. And MFL hasn't got on it, but when has MFL ever done anything? Mm. <laughs> ever. They, they just take their uh, their cut of your league dues every single year and never innovate anything <laughs> ever <laughs> no. but uh the other the other one uh like i said earlier at the beginning of the episode you want to check out the visuals or actually look at the spreadsheet that, that jared made kind of get an idea uh you can check it out on our youtube channel you can pop over there we hope you listen to the podcast first that's what we do it here on campus can Promo code South Harmon for all the tools, 10% off your first purchase on the Campus Can website. Definitely get it. Off season is the perfect time, not only for the NFL prospects coming in, but if you're also a college nerd, uh, <laughs> really want to dive into yeah. it. So many good tools over there. And hopefully, one day we'll be able to say there's a great partnership between South Harmon and C2C where we have the College Warp, which would yep. be amazing. <laughs> I need it. I need it. But, uh, Brandon. Where can the people find you at? Again, the second time you've been on, first ever return guest, but you're awesome. And I'm glad we got you into a best ball league. Adam, he took over for Sean's team in the uh, AF. Uh, F- <laughs> oh, my goodness. You talk about going from, uh, I forget what you said, but I would call that a zero to hero, right? Zero like, to hero. That was, yeah. oh, my goodness. Sean 12, um, I'm, I, don't, I don't like to talk too bad about managers, but it, it got to the point I'd just say that it became – like one of the biggest um, remembrances in a bad way. Like I'm going to remember how awful and what a, like just what a poor sport. Like, you know, Arthur Smith running out there and all, all mad. You oh, got, man. yeah. Like, the, <laughs> Arthur Smith. Some of the stuff that we know behind the scenes that he may not know that we know that he was trying to do to sabotage because he lost. So this is a guy that won multiple leagues or multiple years. And now this year, um, you know, Mike rebuilt it. And now he's going to go win. He was trying to sabotage just anybody beating Mike because he didn't like Mike that much. And then he's going to say he's a bad he's a bad commissioner like that. It's ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. Um, I I play with so many different people, so many different leagues. I'm not as many as Mike, and I'm probably going to trim some down this year. But I've played with a lot of different people and never will I remember somebody in a bad way nearly to the level of Sean 12. So Sean 12, if you're out there, shout out to you, buddy. He's in Wadsworth. Very, very far. I, I probably could spit to his house. He's like literally probably 20 minutes from here. And I was going to say, and he's crazy, crazy man. Oh my God. The man so sold his pool for, uh, for third place. Needs to say, I already have the spreadsheet up. I'm ready to rock and roll and, and some best ball. So luckily for you, luckily around. for you, you don't, I don't think you're able to go see some of the offers he made, which were declined to other yeah, teams. I was, I was able to see his history as far as like who he drafted and blah, blah, blah. Like literally like I have no draft. Like I literally went in and you know, Mike's been straight up. He's like, man sold his soul. Like he doesn't believe in picks. He's allergic to him. Like yeah. I went, there's no 2026 dude. Like there's right. nothing like literally it's just like he sold his soul and I get it. Like he has that one, but he sold it for third place dog. And I'm like, <laughs> some of these guys, he probably should have moved in season stuff like that. And you look at Mike's team. He did what he preaches like, you yeah. know, tear down. Or if you're competing and there's a trade, uh, you know, no trade deadline and you're competing for a championship, Bro, if you got to go pay for Jacoby Brissett or whatever you got to get done, make it happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, keep winning and keep doing it. Sounds like Sean or whoever this guy was. I don't know the guy. But yeah. it sounds like he just depended on who the names were and hoping that they were just going to – and they got in the third place, which is great. But uh, we're trying to win championships here. So Yeah, I mean – make those moves. 
yeah, you, this is one of those, um, you know, Mike didn't have to sell you that hard because I, I think you're ready for the challenge. But this is one of those where it's like right. Bob Ross, like you, you got to take this messed up painting and you got to figure out how to turn this this portrait into something. But you don't have really much paint to work with. Um, you're just going to have to figure no, this out I'm and go. Make it happen. Yeah. I, oh, I believe you will. It's just he definitely left you with a fun. This is one of those where it's a challenge to take over. Like you're going to challenge yourself to figure out the way to that, make it happen. So it'll be you fun, like, one, man. I'm looking. I'm glad that you're in there. We got some good people in that league now, too. Yeah, um, man. Fizzles. Fizzles. I was gonna say fizzles in there, like some people that didn't start with the league now that are in there. That's gonna be a fun one. I hey, have a man. team that was a failed contender. So Mike initially rebuilt in that team. I was going for it. My my team was a failed contender, and I took mine to the bottom. It's really bad, and it's gonna be a, a little bit of a uphill battle. So I'm excited to get there eventually, but it'll be a fun one, man. I'm glad you could be here to to witness the rise of the McNutted from from worst to first. <laughs> yep. yep. We I want you to put the word out there. We back up. We back up. We back up. We back up. Brandon, thank you so much for hopping on. This has been awesome. Uh, longest one in the history of Kentbound, at least for us. I don't know how long. Ninety minutes, man. This is sweet. <laughs> Adam, buddy, it was good to have you back. And uh, anytime I could just not do a solo show would be great. I'm sorry to everyone who I was at always has to struggle listening to me uh, talk to a wall but uh i do it for y'all we gotta get a show out every week <laughs> hey do it. listen there was you know you mike solo show i i don't don't be so hard on yourself man i, I don't i listen to it I, I enjoy it but going from the mike solo to the the three-way here this was this was this was fun man i, I enjoy having brandon on every time we've gotten a chance to get together man so we'll always yeah. link up in the future too all right. all right everybody that'll do it for can bound episode 19 we'll see you back here same time same place for episode 20 right out of here peace peace